Alex Jaffe's taller than me, and Patrick Miller is taller than me. So Wait, that's Jackie, strange. How, how tall are you? Oh, I think of myself as like four feet, but I'm uh, five eleven and a half. Oh, holy crap! This is episode 93 of the Insert Credit Show. I'm Alex Jaffe, and if I didn't know better, I'd guess that EVO stands for Excellent Versus Organization. Uh, my name is Tim Rogers, and if I didn't know any better, I'd guess that EVO stands for Electronic Video Optimization. Nice. Hmm. I'm Brandon Sheffield, and I'm having a hard time thinking of something fantastic that doesn't use already included words. Uh, but perhaps if I didn't know better, I would think EVO stood for... Uh... <clears throat> um, man, it's really hard to because I it just totally sounds like it stands for evolution to me. Elvis versus ostriches. Oh, I I actually have a new one I want to do. Yeah, which okay. is actually sort of a true one. If I didn't know any better, I would think Evo stood for extra virgin olives. Nice. Uh, on all the health and fitness forums, they abbreviate extra virgin olive oil E V O O. Yeah. Uh, also, the official uh, insert credit uh, uh, competitive game correspondent Patrick Miller. Uh, if I didn't know better, uh, yeah, I got nothing. Extra version olive is probably actually the closest because Evu is, is how the olive oil shows up in fitness stuff. Oh. And it used to be, I think it's I think it's now just Evo and not necessarily evolution, or at least it's usually not spelled out all the way. Like early. Early uh, Evos, it was it was always the Evolution Championship Series. Uh, yeah. No, but it's been shortened in the way no one really says the versus Capcom part of Marvel anymore. Yeah, yeah, I say it. Uh, I so, actually call it MVC three. Is what I usually call it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, all of the panel present was at Evo this year, and yeah. uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, despite the fact that it was a week ago and everyone's already forgotten about it. Uh, Well, it ended on Sunday. That was only four days ago. All right, fair enough. It ended Um, late on Sunday. uh, Let's kick those memories into high gear and tell me what your personal highlight of Evo was. Oh, man. Well, that's question number one. My, uh, My personal highlight is that I had a fever of about 102 or 103 degrees from start to finish. And I felt utterly horrible uh, the whole time. And I felt terrible even on the airplane. And I slept for about 36 hours after getting back. So I just felt real bad the whole time. So my highlight was just thinking, man, I wasted money coming here because I should have just stayed home because I'm so sick. 
but I guess I wouldn't have known that. That's um, not really a good highlight. It's okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think my, 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 personal highlight, my personal highlight was probably when a dude from a neighboring booth kept wanting to play one-on-one uh, -on -one gun sport where we both controlled two controllers. Nice. Uh, which was pretty fun, and um, I had I had kind of done that a little bit before uh, when there weren't enough people to play the game, so I would just play two against them. But usually they felt bad that I was totally schooling them while uh, using two controllers. But when it was against one other person um, who was also doing the same thing, it was pretty fun. And he actually won two out of ten games, so that's pretty good. Two out of ten, uh, huh? Two out of ten, yeah. That's nice. not bad. I, I think my personal highlight, like, there were a lot of great matches, a lot of great games. Um, you know, being with you guys on the panel, that was fun. But my highlight was actually after the end of Smash Brothers Finals when I went to go use the men's room and uh, someone started whistling the, like, Kirby Dreamland theme and then, like, six people joined in. That's really yeah. good. I, like that. I suppose that's pretty cool. I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sing-alongs yeah, sing are kind of the best part of these uh, conventions from my limited experience. The sing-along before um, Street Fighter 4 was good, too, because they played in, like the next door, right? The, the indestructible song. Yeah. And... Uh, Everyone hated that that song very, very much when it came out. But Street Fighter Four came out six years ago, so in that interim, it has gone from like an object of derision to like mild nostalgia, um, especially for everyone who got back into Street yeah. Fighter with Street Fighter Four. So like, I was singing the heck out of that song when it came out. Yeah, I I, I actually sang along when it when it came around too. Um, but I I had actually had this discussion recently about how. People used to hate that song, but now they love it. And I want to have a vocal song for Gunsport, uh, um, like as an intro, because I think I miss the days when people thought that was a good idea to have yeah. have have, it, have somebody sing some stupid song about how cool you're gonna be when you play this video game. It's just it's such a dumb, dated concept. But I I like vocal songs. I always have. In Who would you want to sing it, Brandon? Um, it's a good question. It depends on whether it's a, a song that winds up being a dude song or a lady song. But um, while I'm blanking on his name right now, if it were a dude, probably having a Daytona home, home dude would be pretty cool. <laughs> oh, man, that guy's cool. He's really cool. And he'd probably do it too if if he could get permission from Sega. Like, or he could do it under a pseudonym or something. He, he seems like a cool enough dude. Do yeah. do whatever you can to make that happen. Doesn't Christian know him? Can't you get Christian to? I've met him. Facebook friends with him. Okay. Yeah, I am too. So I can I can ask him on Facebook. Uh, listeners, if you want to sing the word Gunsport uh, in your most bombastic way, you could send that in, and I'll listen to it. If anybody. Uh, we uh we have a video ball theme song, and uh, a video beam song. Yeah, video beam song, and it sounds really cool. It doesn't have vocals, but uh, 
it has like a lead melody that could be sung. It's really good. And I keep thinking, what would the words to this be? And uh, who would sing it? So, I, I think we're all pretty clear that the words would just be choom over and over. Oh, no, there'd be some words. There'd be some video ball crazy words. Get Weird Al to sing it. He'd do a good job. Yeah, sure. Yeah. He's got some nice pipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Weird Al, that guy. Yeah, he I just got about him, man. Contract. I don't know about him, man. He's all right. Uh, so let's talk about what actually happened at Evo, not Weird Al yeah. Yankovic. All right. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're still talking about highlights. What? Okay. We're still talking about highlights, guys. Oh, so... Oh, highlights. You, you yeah. said personal highlights. Did you yeah. mean of things no. that happened at Evo? Uh, uh, stuff that you experienced yourself in Evo. You, well, because like, a lot of just watching stuff was cool. I, I enjoyed... I enjoyed watching... Watching the finals for Street Fighter and even for Marvel and finding myself understanding more and more about why stuff was happening mm-hmm. um, as I watched. Like, yeah, through having some conversations with uh, Patrick Miller and that Moses guy. Um, that I, Moses guy. Moses guy. I learned a couple extra things. Like, I, you know, I, I know a little bit about this stuff, but I learned a couple extra things that helped me understand w- who was a better matchup against who and, like... Um, and I felt like I finally understood a bit more of what was going on in Marvel, even though uh, it's still not my favorite thing. But yeah, just just watching the the expert matches of Street Fighter and and knowing when people drop combos and like that you're. Or or seeing when someone makes a mistake that you're pretty sure the other person is going to capitalize on. That's pretty yeah. cool to be able to... Like, you have all these tiny split-second predictions where you're like, oh, man, this is going to happen, and then it happens. And then it kind of makes you feel like a smart participant, which um, which is fun and engaging and allowed me to not be bored throughout the entire proceeding. So if there were Evo trading cards, which would be the most valuable? Well, I guess it would have to be one that was... Usually, usually the trading cards that are valuable are things that are rare and they're, but they're like venerated, but kind of like old stuff. So maybe, maybe something like that dude who was really good at Street Fighter Two back in the day. What was his name? Patrick Miller. I mean, so you got Tomo Ohira and. Um... Thomas Osaki. Those were the two yeah. classic. Like those were the the two. The, those are the NorCal and SoCal Top Guns from like Street Fighter Two. I think all the way up through like Hyper Fighting or something. Um, yeah. Th- yeah. So those two would definitely be the on the OG list. I'd put like John Choi and Daigo there, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it it kind of depends if we're talking like what kind of trading cards we're talking. Like if it's baseball, then like John Choi rookie card or something would be amazing, right? Right. Um, yeah. But but if it's if it's something more like like I I never knew like how rarity worked when it came to like the Marvel series of trading cards right like presumably that's just manufactured scarcity 
right? And yeah. and there's nothing to do with like whether you know, like you know it's not like oh this this player went on to do amazing things so his rookie card is really valuable or whatever. You know, a, yeah. another thing that we could possibly put in there is like <clears throat> someone someone using an atypical character. So sure. like Justin Wong switching over to Balrog in the middle of that match right. would be a card that would be cool. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Mike Piazza was a Florida Marlin for a week, and my dad has a baseball <laughs> card of him in the uniform. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could go with you could go with character pioneers, and it also like if if we're opening it, like I don't know if you guys ever saw those Street Fighter Two trading cards, the ones that are literally just picture of something and happening in game with a yeah. caption, and the, and that's it, right? Um, but like you know, obviously like there are Evo moments every year, and those would make for some great trading cards. Like yeah. um, everyone knows the Daigo parry, of course, we call it Evo moment seven from ten years ago, right? But yeah. um, for for me personally, like, and this this goes back to the first question, I guess. Like my first Evo was in two thousand three, and um, at the time there was a huge East Coast West Coast rivalry in Marvel, and there was a team tournament exhibition where. Um, an LA player named Sue Mighty, known for basically taking Magneto like to heights that no one had ever really taken him before in terms of his capacity as a rushdown character, um, basically beat the fuck out of Justin Wong. Um, and it was the first time anyone had ever seen Justin get blown up right when he's starting to, to like cement his legacy as a top Marvel player. Um, and that that it's that video is actually out there on YouTube, but Sue Mighty was just straight styling on him. Like he all these fancy combos no one had ever seen before, like lots of resets. And you could tell from his play that it wasn't just like aggressive and new, it was disrespectful. Like he didn't give a shit that he was blowing up Justin. Uh, and, and so since then I've been convinced that like pretty much any Evo moment is either centered around Justin winning or Justin. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's all, so it's kind of got its uh, Tiger Woods superstars. Do you want to pause while, uh, while this phone rings for a moment? No. No? You want to keep going through it? Let's go through it. All right. It's going to be really annoying. Yeah, Evo trading <laughs> cards. Let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, as, as Patrick was mentioning, it does seem like a lot of these things are centered around um, are centered around Justin Long, but I think some of them will be more centered around, as long as Daigo keeps coming back, I think some of them will be centered around Daigo too because... He sure didn't do well this year, nope. um, but people still people still care about him, and he's still really good, and he's got a legacy and stuff. So I don't know. I could see I could foresee a future where Daigo is an underdog, and now people are rooting for him or something. That that could actually conceivably happen. Is Evo old enough that people have like a prime and then start declining as the years go on? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, like, the, first, um, the first Evo was in 2002, right? And when you when you look at like esports in ge- like in general, like not fighting game stuff, but like StarCraft, FPSs, League of Legends, MOBAs, whatever, like there, when you have like a professional tier of competition, people only last a few years before they burn out. Um, yeah, you can't you can't be playing the same game all the time, like constantly training on it. For the rest, and of there's there, there's physical burnout too, right? Like, and this is this is more a factor for like PC based games, but like, lots of people retire because of carpal tunnel. Mm. Yeah, and also, you know, if 
if people didn't have these kinds of peaks and valleys, you wouldn't see pretty much a new Evo champ every, uh, like Street Fighter Evo champ pretty much every year. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's. There's, there's actually something interesting that works in Street Fighter 4, because it's, it's, it's probably the least consistent when it comes to top eight placements um, for uh, Evo every year, right? Like every year, there's almost an entirely new group of people that make it to top eight. Um, and I suspect this is actually a weird consequence of like Street Fighter 4 being more balanced in terms of its character selection than prior iterations, right? Like mm -hmm. um, the top eight has been really kind of wide open in terms of character selection for a few years now. And the, one of the effects that that has is it means that you have to study individual matchups a whole lot more than you ever used to in the past, right? Like, if you play third strike, you can be really good at third strike, at, like, in tournaments, just by practicing against Ken, Chun-Li, and Yen, right? Because 90% of the people you're going to play against are going to be playing those three, and so if you just practice against them, you're good, right? But, like, in this game, yeah. no character is so bad that a specialist can't devote their lives to being really good at that character and then blowing up, like, a random person, right? Um, like, Daigo yeah. lost to Filipino Champ, and he lost to John Choi. And according to early Japanese tier discussions, Champ, who plays Dalsim, I think, and, and John Choi, who plays Ryu, like, both of those characters were considered incredibly weak, right? But no one had matchup experience. Uh, it's like, uh, how concrete is this tier system? The tier system, I mean, it's not concrete at all. It's no. totally, it's, it's malleable, and it's, it's all about who's, who's doing the best with what right now. So, like, yeah. last year, uh, when Shen won uh, Street Fighter Evo with Gen, it was because everyone thought that Gen was weak and they didn't have much experience with him. And now, because he won, like, that you saw more Gens than you saw before, and you also saw people doing super well against them because people had started to train against Gen, like, you weren't seeing all the crazy cross-ups that, that Shen was using before. They, those weren't working anymore because uh, because the matchups, like, people people realized, oh, he's strong against this and that, or or we speak to this and that, and so we got to train against this, and then they did. So they just kind of... The more people add this these these matchups to their repertoire, the, the more the tiers change and stuff, so it always... Yeah. And even in even even in Marvel, like Marvel is notoriously inhospitable when it comes to segregation between like upper tier characters and lower tier characters. But Justin won with Wolverine, Storm, and Akuma. And Storm and Akuma are considered like mid tier at best. Akuma's a really good assist, but like no one's really known for using him on point besides Justin. Um, Wolverine's a great point character, but they're like if, if Justin wanted an optimal team, there are plenty of other choices he could have made, right? Um, in in Game, in fighting games, tiers usually refer to like uh, a character's possibility space and also their their kind of their ease of taking advantage of these, right? So, um, like in Guilty Gear, for example, uh, Zayo, Ichi, or Eddie, depending on which version, he's a he's really cool character that can summon this like extra like helper dude. And once you get really good with him, then I mean he's pretty much top tier in every game they put him in, uh, just because he, the, the nature of his design is really is that good, right? But you require so much execution that like it's it's not a guarantee that Eddie will win, win every tournament, right? Or uh, another popular one is um, in Vanilla Street Fighter 4, Sagat was really really good. And you go you go and play Vanilla Sagat now, you can pick him in addition select and ultra if you want. It's not tournament legal, but you can you can kind of see what he was like. It's it's ridiculous, like just how fast his fire balls are, how much damage he does, but uh, 
Vanilla Sagat never won a tournament or even won a tournament. Hmm. Uh, does the fighting game community ever organize tournaments where, like, you can only play as low-tier characters? Uh, every now and then you see something that like that happen. Actually, uh, I, I wrote about this for Shuriken.com a little bit ago because um, I had started getting into League of Legends, and the neat thing about MOBAs is that they have a pick-man system so that a team can say, hey, other team, you're not allowed to pick these three characters, right? Um, and so we were trying to find ways to keep Marvel interesting, and so we, th- we thought, okay, well, what would we do if, if we could ban characters? And so at, a, at a, the Ultimate Fighting Game Tournament, it was a tournament in Chicago, like I think about a month or two ago, um, we ran, uh, Adam Hart, the TO, ran a Marvel ban tournament where the way it worked was you enter your qualifying pool, and without knowing who's in it, you choose uh, one character that you don't want to deal with in that entire pool, and that ban sticks with you for the rest of the tournament. Um, and so it got you got these really kind of neat like game theory situations where like in my pool, so Virgil is considered unequivocally the one character that will make every team better in Marvel right. vs. Capcom. And in my pool, no one banned Virgil, so Virgil was allowed to rock because everyone either thought, oh, why would I waste my ban on Virgil? Someone else will ban him, or I don't want to ban Virgil because I have Virgil on my team. I'm right. f- I'd rather play against two Virgils, you know, against another Virgil with my own Virgil than have to lose another character, right? Um, so yeah, you you ended up with all these kind of neat like permutations and different and different interactions because of yeah. Um, so it added an interesting level of of kind of gamesmanship and depth to the tournament. But the downside was everyone basically just ended up picking the like the kind of day one top tiers, right? So like Wesker was considered really good in Marvel until we found a whole bunch of shit that was way more broken than Wesker. No one bans Wesker, so we all go back to Wesker, right? Uh, I think that if we had had if if, if ban tournaments were a regular thing um, that we actually took like seriously and you saw them at a lot of events, then everyone would be forced to kind of develop like pocket teams and stuff instead of just going to oh yeah I played this on day one I can still kind of remember how to do it um, and and. And that's the tricky part, especially with any fighting game, but with Marvel in particular, is that like the the cost entailed to switch characters is really really high at a competitive level, right? Like I play zero Doctor Doom and Virgil in in Marvel three, and I've played that team for like a year and a half to two years now, right? Um, and I'm still learning stuff with that team, so it's much easier for me to learn how to play that team ever better than it is to switch to another team and start from zero. That that kind of brings me to my next topic. Uh... What do you wish had more representation at Evo? In terms of char- uh, characters, or um... in terms of uh, games, and in terms of uh, play variations. Hmm. Well, I would have liked to, if if I could have gotten some of the, to play some of the games that I wanted to play in the console area. Um, I really wanted to play. Asuka against people, and I never got to do it. Um, that I'll try harder if I come again uh, to make that happen. I think that would have been fun. More, more old stuff. But I mean, I, I don't. I, I, don't I think actually talked to a guy who really wanted to play Asuka with you. I guess so. So like, there's a subset of the fighting game community that we affectionately call poverty, um, and it's yeah. all the p- people who like dig through old ROM sets and play like you know terrible games that are usually a lot of fun to dissect, right? And so I guess. I guess I met up with some people who had who had like spent a good amount of time playing Asuka, um, but it's, it's kind of hard to find you because you weren't at the tur- t- the hotel after hours, and that's where most of the stuff happens. Ah, um, uh, yeah. yeah. That's bad. Anyway, um, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, 
No, that's cool. I would have liked to see that. I would have liked to see Garoden break low, um, <laughs> which I really like. Those are, but those are, those are just the two fighting games that I basically always play when I go down to Los Angeles and hang out with uh, Vincent, Vincent Diamante and all those folks. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, in t- like, I one thing that I w- was hoping to see and didn't was a really good Elena in um, in the Street Fighter 4. Because um, now she's in there, and apparently she's pretty good. And uh, Justin Lo- Justin Wong played as her, and just uh, he didn't he didn't show anything exciting. Uh, so I was kind of disappointed because it was the only Elena that I saw, and it didn't really go super well. So I would have liked to see more of that because that was the character I used to play in Third Strike, and just I wanted to see like, oh, what can we really do with this character now? And I didn't see it. Yeah, I I wish that somebody would have played as Makoto because she's my favorite character and yeah. nobody plays as her, I guess. Someone I, read that, I read that this was the first I time the yeah. female character was used to win Street Fighter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How much of that is up to tears and how much of that is kind of ingrained misogyny? Hmm. <laughs> um, well, Carrie was considered the top character in uh, Arcade Edition 2012 and... I don't think anyone won Evo with her, um, but she's definitely well represented. I remember how Haitani made uh, the Makoto player from Japan made top eight last year. Abuki uh-huh. um, is another really powerful character that um, that that I don't I don't think she's seen that much top eight um, at majors, but she definitely has the potential to take out pretty much anybody. Um, and then the the brand new character in Ultra was DiCapri, who. Uh, I think has a really interesting kit, but probably doesn't have like the power to really go um, for for like a consistent top eight placement. Yeah, uh, there was wasn't there an Ibuki in uh, losers finals? Mm-hmm. Or no? Did I, I make that remember. up? Because I saw I saw some Ibuki. Well, I don't know. Maybe I was just watching someone play Ibuki. Maybe maybe I'm just. <laughs> all of those things. But yeah, it was interesting to see um, to see Rose up there doing so well. It yeah. was, uh, but man, yeah, that that Luffy dude, he really had a, he had he had a thing going on. But I suppose we're probably going to talk more about that later. Maybe. Are we? Mm, if you want to, you can do it right now. Okay, well, oh. just, it was oh, it real was quick, crazy sorry. watching... Jaffe, uh, if you're count- yeah. if you're talking about Street Fighter in general, uh, Chun Li has won countless Third Strike tournaments, including yeah. I'm sure several Evos. Yeah. So, uh, no right. worry about representation there. Anyway, Brandon, go on. Sorry, Luffy. Yeah, just wa- watching watching Luffy like dismantle everybody. Yeah, was pretty <laughs> awesome because it was just it was it was neat seeing um how his uh, like his corner game with Rose. He didn't seem to be ever be worried about being in a corner because he had so many ways of getting out of it, and then he would get out of it, and and you would see him just employing the same few strategies, but he would mix them up in such a way, and fake people out in such a way that that they you would see, work. Just you see, a corner is exactly where nobody puts baby. Yeah, that's right. Nobody puts baby. Yeah, nice. um, but yeah, like he would he would put people in the corner, and Rose isn't especially 
good at punishing in the corner, but he would he would just get people defensive over there, and then they would make mistakes. Uh, whereas him in the corner, would, it didn't seem to be an issue an issue because he was always backing up anyway. Um, it, I don't know. I I found that interesting to watch. Yeah, Rose. I actually prior to going to Evo, um, I played in two art two. Um, Street Fighter 4 tournaments at Super Arcade like the week before, and I got blown up by Filipino Man, who's a really well-known Rose player in SoCal. I think he ended up placing like top 32 or something. Um, and Gutex, who's another, he, like I think he's been playing Rose for Ultra. And I, so I got some moderate match experience against both of them in tournament. I got blown up completely. Like it was, it was just a slaughter fest on both sides, or on on my side, like them <laughs> killing me a whole bunch. Um, but She's a really tough character to deal with in this game. Um, she she has really safe options for building a lot of meter, which gives her you know, which basically means that you have to go in at her. Um, yeah. But her reflector makes it so that you can't pressure her with fireballs either, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like in the finals match, like Bonchan Sagat versus Rose, like Sagat relies on fireballs to control space, and if he can't chuck fireballs at Rose, that means he has to go after her, right? So all of a sudden she's dictating the you know or. In this case, Luffy is dictating the plan, right? He's saying, you know what? I have, I have the advantage out here, so you're going to have to come in on me if you want to win. Um, and that's really, really powerful. Uh, yeah. her, her meter in particular, like, it's, it's something which, you know, Street Fighter Four was more or less gotten rid of being able to whiff moves to build meter, right? Because in Third Strike, that was a huge problem. Like, you just have competitors stand and whiffs, like, stand fierce or stand strong to build up their meter, and neither one wanted to attack. Until both of them had, or until one of them had their meter up, um, Rose can kind of do that in this game, and so that's really powerful, especially when you couple it with all her tools designed to keep people from getting in on her. Um, her really good fireballs, yeah. her really good pokes, like she can kind of just stand there. You have to go in on her, and you're probably going to lose. Um, and she, some of those tools really were 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 powerful in the in AE 2012, the last version of Street Fighter 4. But no one saw them as this powerful. Certainly, no. I, I, like I would be surprised if many people picked Rose, a Rose player, to win Evo. Yeah. All right, we got to go on. Uh, so as far as I know, uh, all of the prizes for winning a tournament in Evo are monetary. But if we got a little more creative, uh, what could we give away as prizes to the winners? Hmm. That's a good question. For for the, the 25th anniversary uh, of Street Fighter tournament that Capcom threw, they gave the winner of, I, th- I think it was, I want to say it was Street Fighter Cross Second, uh, a car. Turned out to be infiltration. It tricked out like Scion TC or something with a whole bunch of like custom decals and stuff saying Street Fighter everywhere. Uh, but it was in Burlingame and he lived in Korea and I don't think he ever wanted to get it shipped back to him. So I'm pretty sure the car is still around here somewhere. Nice. I want yeah. that. Yeah. Um, take it. I will. I will take it. Um, yeah, what else would be good? Street Fighter shampoo. I've seen that. Um, we could give people some yeah. of that stuff. That'd be good for them. Um, there's, there's still some Street Fighter characters kicking around. No. What? Which Street Fighter character's hair do you think smells the best? Um, probably Chun Li's. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Maybe maybe Cammy's. Maybe. I feel like Chun Li probably has more downtime than Cammy. Oh does. no, Ve- yeah. Vega's Vega's hair probably smells great. That's probably yeah. true. Yeah. Wait, why? Why would his hair smell? Oh, you mean... Uh, wow, I, I heard you say Vega, and I instantly thought of M. Bison. 
<laughs> right. Name in Japan because, because in Japan. well, I mean, I I don't I'm not joking, but I guess I've had more conversations about Street Fighter in Japanese than in English. I guess is what that points out. That's weird. It's a Isn't weird it? thing to realize because of that. But I was like, why Vega? And then it's like, oh, you mean the the Spanish guy, the bullfighter. Yeah. Not, not the other guy. That was uh, a weird... Like the guy who would use a nice shampoo. That's a weird brain moment. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does, because he's got all those flowers. He probably uses right. Avita Shampure, which is made out of pure flower essences. <laughs> if you had to guess. So that would be a good prize, to like an all-Vega tournament. Wait, is this, is this uh, an actual question, or is this... Uh, yeah, no. the question, yeah, the question is, what are we giving away as prizes to EVO winners, other than money? Ah. Like, food. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, food. <laughs> Subsistence what, rations. What, what uh, constitutes this gamer grub for uh, the FGC? Uh, so, uh, are, are any of you familiar with Empire Arcadia? No. Not really. All right, they're, they're, they, they were actually, it was the first team that Justin played for, and they've been around in some fashion for over 10 years now. It looks like they're on the verge of dissolution. Um, basically, I, I won't go into it, but the huge, it's, it's a scam and kind of a cult that's been running and perpetuated for a while, and they somehow managed to attract some top talent. So, like, the, you know, some of the top uh, Smash players were playing for them for a while, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, the, the joke was, like, when, so when, when Justin left at the East Coast and he left at the Empire to come to the West Coast, he like left some random food at the, the headquarters of Empire Arcadia, this house that they were all shacked up in. And so there was a video that then got pulled down, but it was Justin leaving like Pop-Tarts and ravioli and something. Um, and and people just like like getting really excited about the, about this just his, basically like his his pantry or something like oh shit I'm gonna get some ravioli um, and so that became a meme among our stream monsters. A of pop tarts and ravioli would be a good exactly place. ravioli would Wait. be perfect. Well, you know, you do realize that pop tarts are basically breakfast ravioli in terms of uh, <laughs> their construction oh and structure. <laughs> so in other words, you're talking about multi multi variety. Multivarious raviolis, I think. <laughs> a ravioli for every meal of your day. Is that a word? Multivarious. I want to say that. Multivarious raviolis. Hey, uh, Patrick Miller, I have a question regarding it, that thing being a cult. Can you can you elaborate on that a bit more? Yeah, please yeah. do. That's All right. interesting. So, so have you ever seen the videos of like the most dedicated Nintendo gamer? He shows up in news articles from time to time. Actually, I interviewed him in Triforce. 2005 for The Escapist. Yeah, Isaiah Triforce Johnson. He wears a power glove everywhere. Um, mm. And basically, uh, if, if you really want to get into it, like, it's, it's a... They call, he calls the, the organization a, like a, a player development or a talent development agency, which is a short way of mm -hmm. saying, like, they don't actually get, like, real sponsors. They don't get sponsors to pay their bills. They don't get sponsors to to fly their players out to competitions. But they're a team, um, and most of being on the team it means like usually I think you went, he ends up finding ways to extract money from the players and other people in his kind of entourage. Um, he sends he sends his players out every now and then. He'll be able to pay for like a full ticket or something, but it's almost unheard of. Uh, like uh, he sent out like Knuckledew. Um, is a good example. I don't even think he was 18 yet, and and he sent Knuckledew out to CEO with no hotel reservation. 
Um, just like <laughs> oh, straight boy. up, like you can find a place to stay or something like that. He sent uh, one of his top guns, Sanford Kelly, who actually just left EMP. He sent him out to Evo before, like when he was on the West Coast, without booking a return ticket. He was just like, if you win, you can come back. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, and the list goes on and on. It's like every he's he's like there's there's documentation of him like sending dick pics to minors. Like it's all kinds of terrible. Try mm. um, yeah. yeah, uh yeah. Shout outs to to catchanemperor.blogspot.com. Um it's uh it's it's all kinds of sorted and basically like the 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 fighting game community like hecklers have kind of been uh, making fun of EMP for years now, but it's been coming to a head over the last year or so. Uh, so, speaking of Nintendo, uh, I want to address Super Smash Brothers Melee. Uh, it, was, it was the only game at Evo this year which was not the most recent iteration of its series. Uh, other than Melee, which, uh, which uh, games are considered the uh, best game in a fighting game series, but isn't the most recent one to come out? Hmm. Oh, I just uh, I noticed that during Evo, uh, so Nintendo did that thing last year where suddenly they were like, "Why would you want to have this at a tournament?" And they were all mean, right? And they were telling yeah. people they couldn't stream it or whatever. Yep. Right. And uh, this year, didn't like Reggie like Skype in to congratulate the winner? Right. Yeah, I, I missed that part. He was he was part of this the opening for Smash. I think it's probably recorded. No. Oh yeah, but it was yeah. probably yeah. I didn't I didn't get to see because I was sitting at my own booth with a fever. Uh, but I heard I heard a bunch of people talking about Reggie. So do you, I feel like that's uh, you know I know this isn't the question, but uh, I just felt like this is a place to say that's basically Nintendo ensuring that they're going to play the new Smash Brothers at tournaments from now on because right. they're like acknowledging the community in a pretty cool way. And they even built in the competitive mode into the new game and yeah. uh, all of that stuff. I think, I mean, because I, I was hearing people all over the place talking about getting a Wii U and like, yeah, I'm going to get a Wii U pretty soon. Yeah, I'm getting one. And I'm like, man, I bet it's all because of Reggie recording a video message. <laughs> like, they're selling, they're going to sell Wii U's to all those dudes. And yeah, that's yeah, I bought a Wii U this week. Oh, did you? Yeah. You know, you bought I, one? I, I ordered a refurbished Wii U from Nintendo.com. It costs two hundred bucks. It's I tell you what, I, I play basically when I play video games nowadays. It's on that goddamn thing. So yeah, you know, all cynicism aside, but uh, but yeah, I guess uh, Smash Bros. This I, I don't know if this would be the last year that they play Melee, but uh, yeah. how? Yeah, so that's that's a question I have for Patrick Miller. There is uh. What is the probability? What are the chances? What would have to happen for new Smash Bros. for Wii U to be the one they play next year? Ooh. Yeah. What's, so, like, what's the chance of that? Um, so it, it's important to note that like Smash is and is kind of a a relative newcomer to Evo, right? Like I think this is only yeah. the third year that Evo, that Smash has been represented at Evo, um, and. Evo t typically tends to take its cues from whatever the like that dominant player community for any given game wants, right? So like, yeah. if if Smash players decide that Melee is it for them, then I you know I'd be willing to guess that we'd end up seeing Melee again. Um, that said, it looks like the new Smash has, like it looks like people are excited to compete in it, and at the very least, people are going to give it give it a chance, right? Like, right. the reason Brawl got passed over was it is intentionally anti-competitive. 
um, mm-hmm. stuff like the tripping mm-hmm. mechanic, like just general neutering of overall movement mechanics, like all that stuff made it kind of boring to play and watch at a high level. Yeah, and I, so, I recall the uh, there was an interview where someone asked Masahiro Sakurai, like, so what's the deal with all that stuff in there? Why'd you do that? And he's like, oh, we just didn't want people to be serious about playing. Yeah. Like he literally just said that in yeah. words. He's like, yeah, we just didn't want people to take it seriously. Yeah. And it's like, wow. And you can tell that when he said that, he wasn't being mean. He wasn't being a right. super villain. He was just being like, oh, that's what it seemed like we should do, right? I mean, you know, that's it was it's a bad blue thing. shell in Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, and then I guess it took sort of a couple of years for them to realize that that's not really it, I guess. They could do it another yeah. way. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, as far as Smash 4, like, I would I would guess, in, in general, like, the, the default, as Jaffe pointed out, the question tends to be, like, whatever the newest version of the game is, um, that's the one that's considered the competitive standards. And so, in that respect, like, for the community to go back on Melee... Or go back to melee, like that was that's that's huge. Like you almost never see that in fighting games. Um, yeah. If anything, like you'll see people discard games wholesale, right? So like Third Strike actually didn't really get much momentum in the U.S. until after the Daigo Perry in 2004. But that game came out in like 2001 or like 2000, something like that, maybe 1999. Like 99, it's actually, yeah. yeah, it's older than CVS too. Um, but it was it was just kind of the side thing that no one cared about because everyone was playing CBS or Marvel or whatever. Um, Capcom Fighting Jam, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, like these are all games which came out and they seemed perfectly lovely, but then they just didn't stick around long enough. Well, Capcom Fighting Jam was trash and Street Fighter Cross Tekken was kind of boring. It got better once you actually got used to playing it, whatever. But people didn't really give it a chance at that point. Um, so yeah, it's. I, I, when, when you're looking at kind of like for any given sub-series, right, so like the Street Fighter 2 sub-series, the Street Fighter 3 sub-series, it's very rare that people will prefer uh, one, like they, a not newest version of the game. Um, Hyper Fighting, I think, is the one game I can think of where there's a lot of people who just, I mean, not a lot, a lot, but like of the old people who liked playing Street Fighter 2 and the vanilla, and that whole series, um, it, people tend to cluster around Hyper Fighting and Super Turbo as the two best games. And it's, often it's, you know, you'll have your you're, you know, one camp hates the other camp and so on. What about Tekken? Uh, doesn't it seem like, in general, people prefer the older Tekkens? Uh, I think, I, I want to say, so I don't know a whole lot about Tekken, um, but I will say people seem to have a lot of really fond memories of Tekken Tag 1. Yeah. Um, uh, earlier than that, like Tekken's 1, 2, and 3, I don't really know much about. Um, Tekken 4 was not that popular with the competitive crowd, I think, in, because it came right after Tag 1, and, and just, yeah, people didn't like it so much. Um, Tekken 5 got off to a rough start because it had balanced problems really early on, um, and then Tekken 6 was just... I, 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 don't, I didn't see a whole lot of people yeah. liking Tekken. Um, more like Tekken sucks is what they should have called it. It really seems like any, every subsequent Tekken it does a little worse than the one before it. <laughs> Yeah. I, I so, remember Tekken 4 coming out and people I hung out with at the time just everyone rejecting it, like going to play it in the arcade and then being like, this blows. And then that was it. Uh, so let's talk why. about the uh, PlayStation 1 controller. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, the Ultra Street Fighter 4 tournament this year was won by a player using a PlayStation 1 controller. What yep. non-traditional controllers would you like to see in future matchups? Saturn. I don't know why nobody's using a, a USB Saturn controller, because that's what I would be using. <clears throat> well, there was, a, there was a thread on Kotaku where they posted, oh, this guy won the tournament with a PlayStation 1 controller. And then there were... Every single comment was... I would have been using this. And then there's like a picture of a controller that's not as good as the PS1 controller. And uh, I feel like for a fighting game, uh, that PS1 controller's real good, believe it or not. That D-pad is really nice, and the build quality is extremely solid. And it's like... Yeah? I was going to... The reason that I would say that it's... It's kind of objectively inferior to the Saturn controller is you, for a game like Street Fighter, is you've got the six buttons on the face and you can tap on those with your fingers, um, which is much faster than having to spider claw around it to get to the shoulder buttons. Like, it's yeah, it's for real faster. But, of course, if you're used to it, then whatever you're used to is the fastest thing. Like, I don't type properly, and when I reteach myself, which I hope to do, when I reteach myself to type like a like you're supposed to, it's I'm going to be so much slower for quite a while. Um, yeah, but, so I, yeah. I meant to go through the video of the finals when during the button configuration and see how he configured the buttons on his controller because I feel like he was using like the way to do it is to have the arm one and R two on the PS one controller be uh, your like high punch and high kick, right? Yep. Like. Like, that would be the way to do it, and then you have the four face buttons be something else. Or maybe he had a triangle and circle be the high punch and high kick. And probably then, uh, not. Probably not? Yeah, usually, I, I mean... I, I was the most surprised to learn that there wasn't, like, a regulation controller that everybody used. Nope. Oh, no, there, you, the, you bring bring your own. There, there are regulations about what controllers are permissible, and this is actually an interesting thing that we've been dealing with over the last year or so, because, um, so... Obviously, with controllers, uh, they tend to be relatively standard for the most part, right? You have your buttons. You can bind, you know, um, you're allowed to, to use whatever file in the game UI, right? So uh, using the three punch and three three kick buttons on the left shoulder buttons is perfectly legal, right? Or using throw, I think, is another one, or focus tack, whatever. Um, but uh, with arcade sticks, we have seen players, um, it basically enhance their arcade sticks by using custom electronics and custom button binds. Um, most notable example is a player named Full Schedule. He's a, he's a, he's a Marvel player. Um, I think he's from the Midwest. And uh, he was known, he, he had extra Hello? Buttons Hello? on his uh, Yeah. Did I cut out? A little yeah. bit, yeah. He had extra buttons on his controller. Okay, yeah, so he has extra buttons on his stick. Um, and I might be confusing two stories here, but what I, what I recall was, so in, in Capcom engine games, you have this like undocumented feature called plinking or priority linking. And basically what happens is if you press two buttons at a very close cadence to each other, like ta-tap, like that, um, and one is considered of a higher priority, mm-hmm. like in terms of how the input uh, buffer reads commands. Um, the game will read that uh, that to tap of two different buttons as two like two of the higher priority inputs, right? So if I press 
uh, medium punch and fierce punch at, the, at, at that cadence, the game will read it as two fierce punches, which gives me an extra, basically an extra opportunity to get another input for a tricky link combo or something like that. Um, oh what we didn't, and so we've known about this for a long time. We didn't know was that the game also treats the select button as, as one of those um, extra buttons that you can press a priority input to get a priority link. And the neat thing is, if you press the select button and another button and you fuck up, the select button does nothing, right? So there's no risk at all to using the select button to basically give you another input that could potentially be the difference between you dropping a hard combo and you nailing it. Um, so he had a stick that was in- equipped with a special button that basically let him uh, priority link with select off of just about anything. And so and like he was showing it to people because he was showing off what he could do with it, and like it actually made his execution a lot easier. Um, and and that's kind of the kind of stuff that like we've had to actually create regulations around. Hmm. Interesting. I, I also want to know how um, how are all of these people with these non-traditional, uh, I mean, they're traditional, but non-contemporary, I should say, controllers, how are they uh, bringing them up to, I mean, obviously they're playing on an Xbox 360, so like... Uh, no, they, they play on PC, don't they? Do they play with PC? They'll play whatever. Um, I'm like, pretty there sure pad players on any platform. What I mean is, when we're, when they're playing... On the tournament games, stage. What were they playing on? Oh, it was Xbox. It was Xbox, yeah. So how did he get his uh, his PlayStation 1 controller, like, working on Xbox? Was Is there just, like, a PS1 Adapters. to Xbox or, or USB adapter, or what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have I have a PS2 to to Xbox adapter I think lying around somewhere. It's, it's, it's controller adapters are a tricky topic because if you get the wrong kind they can have lag and so yeah. there are some pads that are there's some consoles where that the conversion process is easier than others. But yeah, for the most part it's just adapters and stuff like that. I at Super Arcade uh, like the day before I left for Evo I played against a guy who was using like a PS3 pad on an Xbox. Happens all the time. Yeah. Um, Actually, the really cool non-traditional controller out there is called the Hitbox. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but what oh, it is yeah. is it's basically it's only buttons. Um, so instead of a stick, it has four directional buttons. It has like a um, it, and basically you, you hold your hand, you know, you kind of rest it like face down. It's it's you can think of it like you're using a keyboard, and it's got yeah. left, down, and right to your three fingers here, and then your thumb hits hits uh, a button for up. Um, and in theory, this is the optimal fighting game controller because you can treat your directional inputs. Um, you have you know four different fingers that you can use for each input instead of having to use your entire arm or shoulder for a stick or just your thumb for a pad. Yeah. Um, and so like these guys have put out these crazy ass combo videos doing things that like we simply have never seen people do. Um, on a pad or a stick before, but it just requires so much adaptation that like very few players are willing to make that that transition. But you know, I think give it like five years, and you know, we could see Evo being won by hitbox players. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've messed around with uh, other people's hitboxes before, uh, and uh, I think they're really cool. And I almost would rather play a fighting game with one of those. Uh, after like. Playing around with uh, Street Fighter on a keyboard, like when I first got my Philco keyboard, uh, I fired up a whole bunch of games and emulators just to mess with them. And uh, having Q W E like set to uh, down, down right, and uh, or no, down right, 
Wait, okay, never mind. Uh, what I'm what I'm trying to say is, you just I would just roll across those and then tap P to like throw a fireball, and that felt like really really good, especially with those super clicky mechanical keys. Yeah. So I was going to ask, are are keyboards illegal control? I guess. Uh, well, so the hitbox like is actually designed like the, the it, most it, of yeah, people yeah. like the hitbox are people who played games on uh, fighting games on emulators because they didn't have consoles yeah. to play. Um, like. Yeah. I mean, you can actually get... I mean, I perceived with uh, just messing around on a keyboard that you could get pretty competitive pretty fast on a keyboard because, yep. uh, like, there's there's very little... There, I mean, there's no handicap at all, basically, with it. Uh, it was pretty neat to realize that you can do so much stuff with a keyboard, and I'd never really thought about it before. Then I played all the way through Mario 3 with the keyboard... That was pretty cool. I mean, that's how I played Mario Three. Oh heck yeah! So it's like mm-hmm. I keep thinking that hitbox. I saw a bunch of people with those at uh, at Evo, and I was like, man, I wonder when somebody's gonna win with one of those. Because yeah. uh, and then there, see a dude with the PS1 controller was pretty cool. There, there are actually some neat glitches that come out of the hitbox or the keyboard or even a, a, a like a, a Xbox 360 pad because yeah, because you can press left things, and right at the same time. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Which breaks a lot of NES games too, right? Yeah. Like okay. for for I think it was I want to say it was Street Fighter uh, Super Street Fighter Two Turbo HD Remix, yeah. Um, where you could press you could like you could pick Guile, you could hold left on the thumbstick and right on the D pad, and you'd be able to walk up while charging for a Sonic Boom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff is hilarious. There's uh, some weird stuff. So about the PS1 controller, I was watching uh, Slashers. Twitch stream yesterday where he was interviewing all the Evo winners and uh, he was talking to Luffy about his PS1 pad and uh, Luffy confirmed my suspicion that that was his original PS1 pad that he bought uh, over 15 years ago. Like it's Aww. it's the exact it's the one that came with the system he bought. He's never bought a new one, never bothered to track down a new one, and then. Uh, they were like, well, why didn't you ever get a new one? And he's like, well, because the D-pad on this is, like, totally perfect, and he tried with the PS2 controller, and the D-pad is just not right. And, I mean, I swear, I tell people this all the time, the D-pad on that PS1 controller was just amazing. Like, it's just a fantastic D-pad. And everybody wants to be like, everybody in that Kotaku thread was like, I'd rather play with the Sega Genesis controller. It's like, man, no, you wouldn't. Uh, I'd rather play with the Sega Saturn controller. It's like, yeah, maybe you think you would, but... Man, that PS1 controller will just goddamn survive a Blitzkrieg, man. That thing is uh, rock the reason, solid. Sorry. The reason we that I prefer the, uh, the Saturn one is the D-pad doesn't chew up my fingers like the yeah, oh, yeah. does. Yeah, you like, got get you got to get a tough finger to play yeah, with you, that. You got to murder your your thumb till it turns into a giant callus before you can play on that PS1 controller for more than an hour. So. Yeah, you got to get you got to get tough. But it's kind of amazing that he's been playing. He said he played Street Fighter Alpha with it. I guess my my theory was that he played as Rose in Street Fighter Alpha on the uh, <laughs> PlayStation and just never gave up that character. And uh, apparently, he confirmed that. He's like, "Yeah, I just been playing as Rose with that pad." It's like that's pretty hilarious. That's hard. Uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. And uh, it's like. I guess he's just gotten used to that controller, and he said the D-pad has never worn, it has never worn out. It uh, it was just such a solidly built P1 
piece of because it wasn't hollow. There were no vibration motors in it. It's like the last great old school game controller that anyone ever made. Switches are really solid and all the buttons. It's kind of remarkable that he's uh, probably played thousands of hours, would you say, of video games with that thing, and uh, it's still held up. That's a goddamn champion of engineering so there. We're pretty short on time. Let's uh, address this next topic really quickly and then go to the bottom line review. Let's uh, do it. What, what difference do you expect to see in EVO 2015? Sorry, what was that? What are your predictions for EVO 2015? I predict that uh, Soul Calibur 5 will be the main event game. That's a joke. That was a <laughs> shout-out to my friend Lily Wang, who likes Soul Calibur, and <laughs> just saying that we should talk about Soul Calibur. So, there you go, Lily Wang. Um, yeah, I, I think that probably maybe KOF won't be there anymore. Um, oh, no. I would like for it to be, but I think that it probably won't. Um, I wonder if Marvel will still be there because it's. Uh, I think KOF and Marvel, I guess the fact that, that Justin Wong won with some old school characters kind of um, flies in the face of that, but I feel like people were getting a little tired of seeing the same characters in general um, in a lot of these matchups because it's a little more defined who's kind of got the best stuff going on in those two particular games. Uh, so that they, people may get bored of that, but maybe they won't. I, I don't think Marvel will die. Um, Marvel was the second most entered game at EVO this year, um, and actually a lot of people have been talking about how like they think Marvel is dead, but um, it, I mean, it's... Marvel 2 took forever before it faded into the background, right? And that's because, like, I, I think we'll see, if, like, next year I'd be surprised if Marvel broke 1,000 people like it did this year, um, mm-hmm. entrance. But the, the fact is is that the people who love Marvel don't, that, that love does not easily apply to other fighting games. Like, you have Marvel players and then you have everything, everyone else. Um, so they will continue to keep playing Marvel and all it, all it takes is what, for one person to come out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, shit gets hype again. That's what happened to Marvel 2, like, multiple times. Yeah. Even though Justin was the unparalleled dominator in Marvel 2, there was always hype over who would get second place. Um, and so I, I think Marvel will still be there. It'll continue to grow more and more, and more niche unless something drastic happens, though. Um, else. I think Street Fighter 4 will be interesting next year. I think that one thing that we saw at CEO, actually, um, that in, in that Street Fighter 4 tournament just two weeks before EVO was that um, top players are starting to, p- to pick up multiple characters, which is not something we saw a whole lot of in prior iterations of Street Fighter 4. Um, I think we're yeah. getting to the point where people are figuring out matchups and they're learning. They need, like, a pocket you know, secondary character for the counter picks, right? For for any matchups in which they feel like they they just don't feel prepared for. So we might see a lot more diversity at the higher at the higher end, uh, which I think will be interesting. Also, Guilty Gear is coming back. Yeah, um, Guilty Gear. That's what I was gonna say. XRD yeah. baby, I'm yeah. ready for that. I'm looking yeah. at that and I'm like, man, I'm gonna play that. I'm gonna. I think that'll get me into the fighting games again. Do you, do you think that... Uh, I, so I don't like Guilty Gear at all, but do you think that um, that Blaze Blue will get any larger, um, larger audience? Because, so, man, all those animes were super excited about uh, yeah, Blaze That's Blue a curious year. question, like, because isn't, like, Blaze Blue, which uh, 
I was just reading its Wikipedia page uh, earlier today. Apparently, the Z is silent, silent in yeah, Japanese it's reading. Buddha, it's Buddha. labeling. Yes. But uh, yes. it's, uh, it that. was always seen as a spiritual successor to Guilty Gear. And it's like, now there's just a new Guilty Gear. What happens to, to Blay Blue now? I don't know. <laughs> it's, is it's everybody just going to jump on Guilty Gear? Everyone outside, so we, we tend to call those all anime fighters or air dashers, um, and yeah. everyone outside anime seems to think that li- there's only like one, like th- that 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 community can only sustain one like critical mass competitive standard at a time, right? So mm. it's you know first it was Guilty Gear, then it was Blaze Blue, then it was Persona, then it was back to Blaze Blue. Some people are think that next year it's going to be Guilty Gear again, um, but. We'll see, right? Because a lot of times people don't get into these games until they've gotten into like a Street Fighter or a Mortal Kombat, something that's a little bit more accessible. And then they're like, hey, I want to try something else, something that, you know, like I've learned the basics of how to play a fighting game. Let's try something a little bit more crazy. And then they start playing Guilty Gear and they're like, holy shit, this is, there's a lot of neat stuff in here. Um, so between that and the fact that like Arc System Works kicked in 30K for the Blaze Blue pot this year. Yeah. Blaze Blue had the highest pot out of any, out of any game at EVO this year. Um, and so, because of that, it's entirely possible that, like, maybe anime gets so big that we end up seeing Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear at at the uh, at, in in Evo, right? Um, if if the communities can show that they're that big and that hype, um, then I don't it's, I don't think it's impossible to see two anime games at, on the main stage at Evo. They um, were definitely uh, so the <clears throat> Blaze Blue was happening yeah. concurrent with uh, KOF. During the finals, like they were, those finals were happening next to each other. Yeah, and there was a lot more screaming and stuff for Blaze Blue than there was for KOF. Actually, from, from, from what I heard, Blaze Blue was ridiculously hype, and there were some great stories to come out of it. So, yeah, uh, yeah that doesn't surprise me. KOF, by contrast, at Evo has had kind of a tricky history. Like this year, I think the two prior champions uh, couldn't make it. Um, mm-hmm. Like that, and that's actually a weird challenge of having so many international like games that are dominated by non-Americans. Is that like visa problems and travel restrictions make it actually hard to have uh, like the best comp come out for Evo every year? Um, yeah. But yeah, Bla- like Blaze Blue, I heard it is really hype. Like I'm I'm looking forward to watching the top eight, you know, on YouTube or whatever. And it's you know, it, I mean, it's it's not impossible for like the people who play anime games to do their own major as well. Right, like to do an people call it animevo, right? Uh, <laughs> we're we're getting to the point where one event cannot meaningfully sustain, you know, everything. And for Evo, a lot of it is like Evo. Evo is kind of what? Sorry, sorry, I, I just started singing Judy Blue Eyes because you said getting to the point. <laughs> um, Evo is uh, it's it's you know it's it's the the national championships, really the world championships every year, right? Like these are the games. These are the the most uh, like it's the highest level of competition for the the kind of the the, the mainstay games right now, um, but we're seeing more diversity in terms of how other tournaments differentiate themselves, right? So like, uh, you know, CEO had CVS two, uh, UFGT had a whole bunch of crazy side events, including a mystery game tournament, a CVS two character auction. You know, it's like there's a lot of space for for people to do things other than just hey these are the main games and we're gonna play them and see who's the best, right? I really want a retro Evo game or a retro Evo tournament where it's like you're not allowed to enter if you're under 25, and you know we can have it like at some some like really relaxing you know venue and just get hype about old games that no one else huh. has touched in like 10 years. That 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 sounds uh, 
that sounds like it would be interesting. I want to go on to our bottom line review. Uh, that's a yeah, right. round where we uh, review games in a definitive sentence. Uh, so we would say the name of the game is, and the rest of the sentence is that review. Uh, it's a uh, format kind of invented for uh, ActionButton.net, and where we do it on the podcast every so often, and it's a fan favorite. And uh, oh, this week, we exactly this week we're going to do it with all of the major games from Evo this year. Oh uh, baby! So let's begin. Ultra Street Fighter Four. Ultra Street Fighter Four is the return of footsies as a Street Fighter skill. Hmm. Oh. oh, man, I have like a million of them in my head for Street Fighter 4. It's difficult. Ultra Street Fighter 4 is... <clears throat> I don't know. <clears throat> How about uh, you, Brandon, say, give one? I would say Ultra Street Fighter 4 is viewed through rose-colored glasses. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Marvel versus Capcom 3. It is Marvel, baby. Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is just a whole bunch of weird nonsense, and it's pretty cool. Um, I, w- I would say Ultimate Mar- uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is Scoops, it's haagen and it's Pringles. <laughs> okay. Uh, Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct is a game that hopefully will be better next year at Evo. Season 2, <laughs> baby. Season 2, as they call it. Uh, Killer Instinct is uh, not quite violent enough for me. By which I mean it's not a killer, it's just sort of a not a full killing. It's more like a Namer Instinct. <laughs> yeah, it's more like a yeah, Name Instinct. More like Injustice. Killer Instincts. Nice. Injustice, Gods Among Us. Injustice, Gods Among Us is more like DC Comics Fighter. Uh, I would say Injustice is the weirdest looking Gumby game because it doesn't even have it. Characters are moving. They've got all the Gumby animations, but they don't have Gumby. They don't have Pokey. What are they doing? (laughs) Gumby and Pokey. I'd say in Injustice God, not this again. Yeah. <laughs> nice. God, uh, stop being among us, please. The King of Fighters 13. King of Fighters 13 is a game that did not come out in 2013. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, that's true. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's my bottom line. That's it. The King anyway. of Fighters 13 still features a character named King. Yeah, who is not, ironically, the King of Fighters. Indeed, it's confusing. Was King ever the King of Fighters? Well, if you so. play well and then King becomes the King of Fighters, then yes, but, you know, not not in the narrative. Alright. Uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee. Super, Super Brothers. Smash Brothers. Super Brothers Smash Melee. <laughs> Man, I play the heck out of that game. Yeah, me too. Super Smash Brothers Melee is a video game with a bunch of Nintendo characters in it. That's true. Super uh, Smash Brothers Melee is ten more years. <laughs> yeah. With a name Brothers, it's got to be good, right? Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, there Tek- you go. Tekken Tag Tournament 2. 
Uh, you mean TTT2? Yes. Oh, that one. T4, Teachment Day. Tekken Tag Tournament 2. Tekken Tag 2 is where Tekken finally admitted that it was anime after all. Tekken Tag 2 is where it realized its anime dreams. And finally, Blade Blue, Chrono Fantasma. I wanted to say Tekken Tag Tournament 2 is the jacket with a sweater inside of it with a shirt <laughs> with a sweater with a shirt inside of it a uh, shirt with an undershirt collar inside of it of video games which is what every dude who plays those games in Japan wears they, there's like jackets that have like a partial it's like a jacket sweatshirt that has like a partial sweatshirt in the front of it and then it's like unbuttoned and has like a partial shirt and then like a necklace like tacked into the collar so it's just like a one like a pullover outfit it's it's the that of video games that's that's Tekken Tag Tournament 2 alright and our last our last one is Blade Blue Chrono Phantasma is uh uh Blade Blue Chrono Phantasma is waiting for Guilty Gear as far as I'm concerned Mm -hmm. uh I would say Blade Blue Chrono Phantasma uh Gorilla Fate is turning (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, innocence until proven guilty gear is what I would call it. I, I would just say more like Blaze Green Chronic Phantasma. Nice. <laughs> uh, that's been uh, our Evotacular episode of the Blazer's Credit Show. Uh, thank you very much to Patrick Miller for joining us. I hope you'll join us for the uh, 2015 show next year, and I hope yeah, we'll have you uh, on before that as well. That'd be nice. rad. Now, we like to do a thing where, before we sign off, each of us, uh, or each of you in the panel, uh, recommends a uh, piece of culture or media for our audience to experience this week. It could be a TV show, or a movie, or an album, or even a video game, or even a book. Uh, So, if you guys have something to recommend, do that Yeah, I've got one. I've got one. I I recommend Patrick Miller's uh his ebook on fighting games. Nice. Uh, Whoa. Man, you took mine. <laughs> it, it teaches you the fun, and uh and it's 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 really interesting and it's well written and uh and I was talking to this guy in um in arcade in Austin. He owns Arcade UFO over there, and uh, he he goes by Fubar Duck. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to read that book. I mean, I've been playing Street Fighter for a long time, but I'm probably still going to learn something because there's always something to be said for uh, looking at it from a different perspective. Or maybe there's something about fundamentals that you missed when you were just, you know, playing the way you always played. So uh, that's that's a winning endorsement. The the fact that he's going to he's going to go play uh, go read that. So that's my recommendation for this week. Fu Bardak is great, and you can find the book at Shuriken.com. All right. Oh, yeah. That's not shuriken.com, that's shoreyuken.com. Not shuriken.com, yeah, that's true. Shrieking. <laughs> Shrieking.com. Tim, you got a recommendation? I recommend the website shrieking.com. <laughs> <laughs> that's my homepage. Patrick Coach. Miller, do you have a recommendation while I try to think of cool stuff I know? Um, I Sure. So I don't really know what genre of music this is, would be classified as, but a friend of mine sent me a link to... Uh, it's either Have a Nice Life by Death Consciousness or Death Consciousness by Have a Nice Life. I'm enjoying it. It's a neat album to listen to while I do stuff. 
Oh, doing stuff sucks. You know it. It does. Doing stuff blows. Tim? Also, uh, I don't no, know. No Tim. Game, No Life is some great anime. I mean, it's terrible, it? but it's awesome. It's called No Game, No Life. Um, NGNL? Yeah. It's it's basically like Money Match or Yomi, the anime. Um, and it's kind of fun. Yeah, I don't know what that stuff I right. got. I got so much stuff. I got right. so much stuff that Tim, I just don't know. Tim, what's the last new album? Is it like what's that last album you listened to for the first time? The last album that I listened to for the first time. Oh God, it was today. It was this morning. It was uh, Tamura Eriko, uh, an album from 1990. I thought was we were to talk about that. No, that's a different person. I've, I listen to a lot of albums, Brandon. Yes, yes. Okay, sorry. It, the the ta- not the secret the, person we're not talking about. Yeah. We're not going to talk about the secret cool person because no, then everybody not. will think she's cool. Several all of right. the syllables were the same, so I got confused for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all pretty similar. Uh, oh, Tamara Eriko, which album? Let me find out the name of it. Uh, uh, I don't understand how I should find it. Oh, wait. Oh, God, I just remembered off the top of my head. The album is called Behind the Heart uh, by Tamara Eriko. That was a really good album. I listened to that today uh, for the first time. I want to recommend the new Weird Al Yankovic album that came out this week. Uh, How do you yank Vic? Yeah, uh, Weird Al Yankovic has been a very important part of my life since I was like 10 years old. And uh, this is supposedly his last studio album since it's finally the end of his contract. Uh, So he'll be releasing singles from here on out, but this is the last album plus project. Isn't Uh, singles like the thing to do now anyway? Yeah, exactly. Nobody nobody does albums anymore. That's why he's getting out. But it's it's a little bittersweet because uh, it's kind of been a landmark every three to five years of my life that I've gotten the new Weird Al Yankovic album and memorized every song on it. Uh, oh. So, uh, so yeah, I recommend everybody check that out because. Oh, I want I want to recommend something uh, for for real. Uh, I just because yeah. Patrick Miller asked me about albums and uh, this isn't an album I've listened to for the first time, but recently I listened to uh, Haruomi Hosono. He's the guy from uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra and uh, Happy End, two inst- like very big Japanese bands. Haruomi Hosono did the soundtrack to the movie uh, Night on the Galactic Railroad which is based on the Kenji Miyazawa novel. And it's a cool movie, uh, but I really like that soundtrack. It's really awesome and weird. So that's... Uh, and it has track titles in Esperanto. So Haruomi Hosono's Night on the Galactic Railroad soundtrack is really good. Do you have All that, right. Brandon? Uh, I don't yet. I would like to have it. Oh, maybe maybe I can get it over to you somehow. All right. Google, just if- Google our names and you can probably find us on Twitter. Uh, if the insert credit website is still down, you can find our episodes at Blaine Brown, our editor's personal website. Uh, special thanks to him for not only editing the show, but providing a temporary home for us. Uh, check out our Facebook group, facebook.com slash icpodcasts, and uh, your own questions to uh, podcast at insertcredit.com. And that's it for this week. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Miller. Yeah. And now, Bear My Arctic Podcast. Podcast over, yeah! That's a good one. Um, I gotta go and uh, walk these dogs, which is not a euphemism for anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
I, I don't know who's hanging Ooh. out in the chat or how many people are watching, but if anyone all wants right. to, to ask me fighting game questions, at Pat the Flip is fine. I love talking about the shit. I could do it all day. You've also got that Ask FM. Yeah, I do have that Ask FM. 